All right. Hello and welcome to Heroes 101, the Mexus Raiders podcast for competitive strategies and in-depth analysis for Heroes of the Storm. I'm Commander Chu, and today we are going to be talking about it. Oh, Illidan, a melee assassin from the World of Warcraft universe. Oh, I should probably turn off the stream audio. Alright, um, so I'll be going over his trade talents and heroic options, how to categorize him, builds and playstyles, comparison to other heroes, what he's great for, great against, and also what he's weak to and weak against. Um, then I'll talk about when you should be drafting him and what maps and situations he works well in. And then if we have more time, I'll go over some other stuff. But before that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our top patrons, which would be Bradley Falk, Eric Talent Jr., Nick Barnhart, and Michael Milia. And I just want to say thank you to the rest of our patrons for making this coaching series possible. You are all the absolute best, and please be sure to check patreon.com slash nexusraiders for the full mp3 download and video of the session for those of you who are patrons. Alright, so let's get started. Uh, let's see, I, I guess I'll just go over Illidan's talent traits and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, actually, I didn't write his trait down here. Uh, well, basically his trait is he heals for 30% of the damage that he deals out. Um, I'm fairly certain that's only for auto attack damage, but hey, I might be wrong. Could be ability damage, whatever, most of his, uh, most of his damage comes out from auto attacks anyway, but you heal for 30% of that damage dealt. Uh, your Q is a targeted semi-teleport. It, or actually it's a gap closer that's a better way to describe so when you uh, use your Q click on an enemy target so that's any enemy unit whether it be a minion a wall tower or a hero it'll close the gap and then it'll flip you over that target so it's really great for escaping backwards or making dives and body blocking which I will discuss later um, Thank you, Darkstorm. Yeah, ability damage only applies healing from the level 7 talent. That is important to note. Um, his W is also a gap closer, but not the same distance as his Q. But you don't have to be—you don't have to target anything. Um, it's basically a directional movement, kind of like a dash, like Vala and Tychus. They have like a dash, um, but it has the bonus effect of when you hit like an enemy unit it increases your auto attack by 35%, um, which is great, you know, 35% on top of your already decent damage and high damage, high auto attack speed is really strong. Um, his, actually, why, why do I keep looking at my iPad? I don't, I don't, even, have, don't even have the abilities here. <laughs> um, e is evasion, which when you activate it, um, it allows you to ignore all enemy auto attack damage dealt to you for a short period of time. So that includes tower shots, uh, and uh, minions, mercenary attacks, um, and of course enemy heroes attacking you. Now it's important to note that it's not a charge base like block, it's evading all auto attacks within a duration. So let's say the entire enemy team comes and auto attacks you for like two seconds while your evasion is up, you won't take any damage. And that's what really gives Illidan a strong uh, semi-tanking capability, but I'll, I'll go on to that later. Um, I keep looking down. Uh, let's see, his heroic options, oh, actually, his heroic options are in here. Alright, cool, so now I'll go over the talents. I'm going to try to make this fast so we can get into the more in-depth analysis type of stuff. So, um, at level 1, Illidan has or three talent options, which are Immolation, Battered Assault, and Unending, unending Hatred. If you're looking at the iPad thing on the screen, I'll zoom in a little bit so you can see. Okay. 
Immolation does AoE damage of 22.8 damage per second uh, when you use your W. So let's say you're going into Minion Wave, uh, W in, it'll be kind of like Burning Rage, I think it's called, on uh, Warriors. So it, it just does damage around you. Uh, it's kind of like an aura, um, lots of capability. Battered Assault, when you hit two or more heroes with your W, it modifies your W buff to to be 125% damage as above rather than 35. So let's say you Q, oh sorry, not you Q, you W and you hit two heroes at once. So you have your regular auto attack damage, but you're going to increase that by 125%. Um, Unending Hatred is basically seasoned, mar seasoned marksman, but after the quest is complete, uh, you double the buff value, and then you can continue the quest in a linear progression. So, uh, I believe it's 20 stacks, so once you kill enough heroes and minions to hit 20 stacks of Unending Hatred, um, it'll give you 20... You will have a 20 damage buff on your auto attack. So let's say your auto attack is like, like 80, right, for each auto attack. Uh, when you get to 20, it gives you 20 plus damage, so it'll be 100. And then once you hit 20, you complete the quest and it'll double it. So it gives you plus 40. So you'll do 120 damage per auto attack dealt. And the quest doesn't ever end because, you know, it's called Unending Hatred. So as you keep going further on in the game, it'll continue to add um, basic attack damage. Yeah, it'll continue to add basic attack damage. Um, and it's just important to note that you get a considerable buff, like the 20 auto attack damage buff, once you hit 20 stacks. Um, at level 4, he has three talent options as well. Rapid Chase, a 15% movement speed buff after using Q for a short duration. I never take this, so I, I don't even know what it is. Um, but basically, once you use your Q, you have like a 15% movement speed buff, which I guess is nice. Uh, but his other two options are Friend or Foe, 20% range buff to Q, and allows you to target allies uh, without doing any friendly fire. So let's say you are uh, trying to close a gap between you and an ally because maybe the enemy team is like closing in on you. Um, you can use your Q on an ally, but it's important to note that it only works on ally heroes and not any buildings. Um, and it also doesn't flip you over your ally, like how it does when you target an enemy. So it's just gonna be like a dash to your ally and not dash flip. Um, unbound, your W can now traverse terrain, uh, and after gaining 30 stacks, um, stacks as in hitting heroes with it, it gains a second charge. So basically you'll be able to, actually I, I can just draw this here. Um, let's say there's like a wall or something, and this is you as Illidan right here. You can use your W to go across it when normally you would have to go around. So it's a pretty useful talent, um, and I'll talk about it more later. At level 7, you have uh, Reflexive Block, uh, which is gain two charges of block after... gain two charges of block for three seconds after using your Q. Um, fairly simple. When you use your Q, you get two charges of block, and that's a 75% uh, damage reduction of auto attacks that you take. Um, Thirsting Blade, increase your trait your trait value up to 50%, uh, not by 50%. So normally you heal uh, for 30% of the damage you deal. Uh, now it's going to be 50%, but that's only when your W is active. So when you've hit an enemy unit or target with your W. 
Hunter's Onslaught is heal for 25% of ability damage dealt, heal for 50% versus heroes. So, uh, if you took Immolation at level 1, you have that AoE damage. Um, then you'll heal for 25% of ability damage done to all the minions, for example, that are around you uh, as you have your W active. Or, for example, if you take March for Death at 16, which I'll discuss later, um, and you hit heroes with it, you'll heal for 50% rather than 25% um, of that ability damage. At level 10, you have two options. You have Metamorphosis and the Hunt. For Metamorphosis, it's basically an instant teleport, and it does 47.84 AoE damage in a relatively large area, uh, and it increases your health by 208 per enemy hero that's within that area of effect. Uh, basically, I should not, I'll just draw on this, okay. Um, oh, nah, okay, there we go. Uh, basically, let's say that you're over here and there's um, four enemies, or like five total enemies. So what it'll allow you to is it's an instant teleport within range. So let's say, let's pretend this is your range, okay? Um, you'll teleport and it, you'll see an area of effect uh, where you land. And uh, if you're not on quick cast, you, you can see the projected area as well. So let's say in this scenario, you use your metamorphosis on four enemy heroes. It'll do damage to those four heroes and it'll give you four times 208 health for, I believe, 18 seconds. Um, I can talk about more about how to use the heroic later on. I'm just going to try to get through talents really quick. Um, Yes, important to note that it's instant though, so right when you cast it, uh, it's an instant teleport, but there's a short delay before you actually appear. So it'll instantly move your location, but your main body as a unit will not be present on the map for a short duration of time. All right, let me delete this. Okay. Oh, that's not what I want to show. There we go. Uh, instant teleport, oh yeah, I already read the description. Uh, the hunt is a channeled teleport in contrast to metamorphosis. Um, it's more of a gap closer and it stuns the selected target for one second and does 261 damage. So important to note that it's a gap closer for a unit similar to your Q, which is your dive. Uh, you can target enemy minions with it. I, you cannot target buildings though and structures. So your Q, your dive, you can normally uh, target structures, but your hunt cannot. So it has to be a enemy minion or mercenary or um, enemy hero. There we go. Um, and there's a short delay before it actually teleports you. Um, I believe it's a one second delay. So you are a little bit vulnerable if you get stunned, for example, or displaced during that channel time in the beginning it will cancel the hunt. So that's important to know for gameplay. At level 13, there's Nimble Defender. So if W hits an enemy hero, you gain 25 armor for two seconds. So uh, that's 25 armor for a duration and not like a charge. So it's not like a reflexive block, for example. It's similar, similar to evasion, it's for a duration. Elusive Strike, your W reduces the cooldown of evasion by 3 seconds every time it damages an enemy hero. Fairly, fairly self-explanatory. And the evasion cooldown is pretty large, so if you're able to get W a lot, uh, or not 
a lot, but W on a lot of heroes within one go if the enemy's all clustered, uh, then you're going to get a lot of value from that. Sixth Sense, your E grants 75 spell armor against the next two spells. So similar to Reflexive Block, it gives you two charges of armor, but this is specifically for spells. So a great scenario of when you would want to take this is against the Kael'thas that has chosen Pyroblast, for example. It's not going to do much damage at all to you because it's only going to do 25 of the original damage. Similar with uh, Chromie as well, like her Dragon Breath and her Sandblast. Um, and that's two abilities. So if you get time-looped time by Chromie, for example, um, and you use Evasion before she uses her Sandblast and Dragon Breath combo, you only take... 25% of the damage of both of those spells. Alright, 16, March for Death. Uh, bonus, 187 damage if you use your Q on the same target within 10 seconds. Now, that's that works on any targetable unit, not just on heroes. So let's say if you're trying to clear a boss or a mercenary camp, it will do that bonus damage um, if you use the Q on the same target. Uh, Fiery Rand, every fourth, attacks in, every fourth attack against the same enemy hero does a bonus 6% of the target's maximum health. Uh, Blades of Azanoth, after hitting heroes with your W five times, um, activate for a 75% auto attack damage buff for eight seconds. Um, yeah, let's move on to level 20. I actually missed one here at level 20. There's a, what's it called? The teleport. Stormbolt? I don't know. It, it's some sort of teleport that's usually really good on heroes, but I never take it on Illidan, uh, which I can explain why later. Uh, but anyways, for level 20, you have Demonic Form, attack speed increased by 20% and reduces crowd control duration by 50%. Um, you can mount uh, while in Demonic Form, and it is permanent. So let's say you go into Demonic Form, uh, even after 18 seconds, you'll still maintain that Demonic Form. Uh, nowhere to hide global range basically on the hunt and enemy heroes below 25% health are revealed so yeah there's no increase in damage or anything but an increase in range and uh, it's like a revealing capability. Nexus Blades a 20% damage buff to your auto attacks and your auto attacks slow enemies by 20% for one second. Alright cool so got through all the talents in like 15 I think minutes I'm not I'm not really sure when I started. Um, yeah, so those are the talents for Illidan. So before I get into more of a in-depth, I guess, analysis of Illidan, I can go over the four different builds I've prepared for you. Um, I'll just go through them in order. So highest DPS. So this is for when your team is lacking enough sustained damage. Um, I guess even burst damage, but in general, like let's say you went double support or you went double warrior within your comp. Um, this build is uh, particularly good, especially because uh, Illidan doesn't innately do a lot of damage, so this will kind of compensate for that. Um, and this is also the highest damage potential build that you can do on Illidan when played correctly. Um, level 1, you take Battered Assault, so that's the one where you hit two, hero two enemy heroes with your W. It'll increase your auto attack damage by 125%. Uh, Unbound at level 4, Thirsting Blade at level 7, Metamorphosis for your heroic option. Level 13 is situational, and I'll come back to that. Level 16, Blades of Asenoth, level 20, Demonic Form. So your goal with this build on Illidan is basically to stay in fights and actually tank a lot of 
the enemy damage coming in because you're going to be getting a lot of value from your uh, your E, which is evasion. Yeah, your evasion, and you're also going to get a lot of value from your trait and from battered assault because you heal for the amount of not for the amount, but you heal for thirty percent of the damage that you do. With the level 7 Thirsting Blade, you'll heal for 50%. And if you're going Battered Assault, you're going to get a bunch of damage increase and um, damage to health value. And I have a separate chart, actually, uh, with those numbers that I'll bring up later on as we move on in the discussion. So going back to level 13, I, I believe they're all situational. Yeah, okay, so if you look at the level 13 row here, um, I, don't know, I guess I could highlight that. Oh, right. Sorry, give me a moment. Okay. Level 13, uh, you can see that it's situational. Uh, let's go over the possible talents. So the reason why level 13 is situational is because all of these are different options for making Illidan a little bit tankier or able to become a damage sponge. So, uh, if you look at Nimble Defender, W hits an enemy hero, gaining 25 armor for 2 seconds. Where Nimble Defender is really good is when the enemy team has a lot of damage over time abilities, um, as well as if they have very low damage output. So let's say like if the enemy team picks Triple Warrior, uh, then you're going to get a lot of value from Nimble Defender because it'll negate a lot more damage than the other two talent options. Um, yes, that's basically when it's really viable. I would say in general it's a good pick too because it's a 25% armor that includes auto attack damage and spell damage. So if the enemy team has like a really high auto attack rate, you're going to be able to negate some of that damage as well as any incoming ability damage. Um, so that's one of his tanking options. Uh, going on to elusive, elusive Strike, W reduces the cooldown of Evasion by 3 seconds every time it damages an enemy hero. Now, this talent is really strong if the enemy team is primarily auto-attack damage based. So let's say you're going up against like uh, Lunara, a Butcher, a Vala. Yeah, just auto-attacks and, and Tracer for example. Um, and if the enemy team is clumping up a lot, you'll get a lot of damage because it reduces evasion by 3 seconds. And I believe the normal cooldown for evasion is 15 seconds long. And of course that ticks down every time you auto-attack. Oh, I forgot to mention his trait. Whenever you auto-attack, it reduces the cooldown of your abilities by 1 second. Maybe not exactly 1 second, but basically there's a cooldown reduction per auto-attack. So really, uh, you can divide his cooldowns by 2 because he auto-attacks almost twice per second. So. That normal 15 second cooldown on Illidan is really like 8. 8 second cooldown. So think about it, you have evasion on an 8 second cooldown. If you're able to hit 2 heroes uh, with your evasion within 1 W, right? Yeah, so you pop evasion, hit 2 enemy heroes with your W, you almost have a complete reset of evasion, especially if you auto attack. Well, no, no, actually that's not correct because I'm going off of the auto attack. So you have a 15 second cooldown, uh, let's say you pop evasion, get 2 auto attacks in, so now you're at approximately 12, 
approximately 12 seconds cooldown, you hit two, let's say you hit three heroes with your W, that's going to reduce the cooldown by nine, so you only have to wait three more seconds for evasion. Um, now, obviously, that's going to be really situational. Um, I feel like Elusive Strike is the highest value but high skill cap uh, talent that you can take at level 13. Um, but if you notice, like, the enemy team is clumping up a lot, especially, like, if you're going up against a team that has a right wing or a Lucio, uh, where the enemy team has to clump, a lot, clump up a lot for healing, or maybe even, like, uh, against an Orioles healing, um, you're going to be able to get a lot of value from that. So let's say you hit three targets with your W. That's a nine-second cooldown off of 15 seconds, so you only have six seconds of waiting time. If you're auto-attacking throughout all of that, really three seconds of waiting time. So lots of value in Elusive Strike, but it's very difficult to pull off, and it doesn't always work, and you will usually get, usually will get more value from Noble Defender and Sixth Sense. So Sixth Sense is, Sixth Sense is you get... 75% spell armor against the next two spells. So as I kind of mentioned earlier, if you're going up against a Kael'thas with Pyroblast, I mean, or just a Kael'thas in general, uh, and against a Chromie, you can possibly or potentially get a lot of value. Um, one thing to note, though, is like Kael'thas, I use that as an example, it'll work really well against his Flame Strike, but not as well against his um, Chain Bomb, because Chain Bomb is tick-based damage, so every second it'll be doing damage to you. So you're not really going to negate any of that damage. But... It'll negate Flame Strike and Pyroblast. Yeah, uh, it's gonna you're gonna get a lot of value against a Jaina, especially if you take this because uh, Jaina is all immediate burst damage. So it'll block two waves of Blizzard, or it'll block the Cone of Cold and an Ice Spear. Y you get the idea. It has a lot of applications. Um, really, you're only gonna be taking Sixth Sense when there's an enemy team that has huge burst ability damage. So that would be like Jaina, Chromie, uh, Li Ming somewhat. Um, although I, I wouldn't even really take it against Li Ming. But if there's an enemy, Jaina and Chromie, I would definitely tell you to consider taking Sixth Sense. I personally find myself taking Nimble Defender most of the time just because you get a lot of value from that extra armor and because it's not conditional. Um, you just need to hit an enemy hero with your W uh, and you get 25% armor that applies to both ability damage and auto attack damage. Okay, that's why level 13 is situational. Those are all his um, survivability talents. Uh, and you could argue that level 7 is also like a survivability talent option where you, you could possibly pick any of the three options at level 7. So that would be either Reflexive Block, Thirsting Blade, or Hunter's Onslaught. Um, but really... As you'll see in my different builds, oops. as you'll see in my different builds, um, each one has a specific level seven talent that you should be taking. So, as I said, uh, that first build is the highest damage you can possibly get on Illidan. I've definitely gotten over 100k hero damage using that build. It allows you to be really aggressive. Um, but something important to note is that you don't really want to dive the enemy team as much when you're going this build. What you really excel at when you build this way is zone control. So if you're able to hold hold a zone very well with like a Johanna, for example, um, with uh, Muradin, ETC, uh, really any zone control based hero, you'll get a lot of value from here because the enemy team will be clumped up a lot and it's going to be increasing your chances of getting that, uh, that battered assault value. So yeah, basically... You're going to be tanking a lot, but you'll be healing a lot, and you'll be doing a lot of damage, and the enemy team is just going to freak out because 
all of a sudden they're taking a ton of damage from this Illidan. And they're not going to be able to kill you. So moving on to the next build, uh, this is, I couldn't think of a name for it, so I just call it the hybrid build. But this is a very universal build. Uh, can I discuss engaging with Illidan? Does level... That is a really great question. Level totally matters with Illidan. And I'll get that. I'll get to that question later on because that's a really good question. I'll get to that. How about after I discuss these builds? All right. So right now we're on the hybrid build. So I'll zoom in a little bit. So with the hybrid build, you're going to take Immolation at level one, Unbound at level four, Thirsting Blade, Venomorphosis. Uh, your level thirteen and sixteen is situational, and then level twenty you're going to go Demonic Form. In general, if you take Metamorphosis at level ten, you're going to take Demonic Form because the upgrade is just really viable. So the reason why I call this the hybrid build is because it allows you to play um, and adapt to the situation as you go. So for example, if I'm in quick match, right? <laughs> okay, I guess I could call this my quick match build. If you're not on comms with your allies, if you're not partied up, if you don't know how your team is going to play, building this way will give you a lot of flexibility and you'll still get a lot of value from Illidan. Uh, going this build will allow you to camp, uh, maintain lane pressure, and still have uh, some some damage soaking capability in team fights, and you'll still be able to gap close and pick off the enemy enemy team. So the reason why 13 is situational is because of what I mentioned before. But if we look at level 16, it really depends on how you're going to be doing damage and how often you're engaged in team fights. So if you end up being in a lot of team fights, um, so I'm going to adjust my cushion here. If you end up being in a lot of team fights, I would definitely take Blades of Asnoth um, because it synergizes really well with Unbound, um, and you're just going to get a lot of auto attack value. So if you don't remember Blades of Asnoth after hitting heroes with your W five times, activate for a seventy five percent auto attack damage buff. So if you're in a lot of team fights, oops, that's going to give you a ton of bonus damage that you're going to be dealing to the enemy team. Um, the other talent that I would take at level 16, if you're not taking Blades of Asnoth, is Marked for Death. And the reason I would recommend that is because if you're not in a lot of team fights, then I'm assuming that you're only really fighting the enemy team when it's 1v1 or 2v2, or if you're just picking off enemy heroes that are running away. When enemy heroes are doing that, you're going to get a lot of value from Marked for Death because it does provide that um, burst bonus damage. And since you're going to be chasing them anyway, like there's no other target you're going to be using mark, using your dive against. So it just gives you extra value and it'll help you secure those kills more easily. Now that's, reminder, that's just if you're chasing a lot um, and if you're not doing full team fight engages. If you are doing full team fight engages, go Blades of Asnoth because you'll get a lot more damage overall with that build. Um, as I said, this is the hybrid build in contrast to the highest DPS build. The hybrid build is a lot better for camping because of that immolation at level 1. It does give you AoE damage, um, which, you know, it, I mean, Illidan is still decent at camping when he takes Battered Assault, but it's going to take him significantly longer just to get that done. This hybrid build is going to allow you to camp and adapt to each map and each situation better. So I would say if you're trying to decide with what build to go with on Illidan, if you're in Quick Match or if you're in maybe lower ranks of Hill hero league this is probably the build you would want to go um just because it's a low team trust build if that makes sense like maybe your team is playing phenomenally but since you don't have like voice comps for example this is going to really free you up to 
do your own thing and also be present in team fights. All right, so Global Marksman is one of the most difficult builds to pull off with Odin because it's such a late game build. Um, but if you are able to pull it off, it can it can almost rival the Battered Assault highest DPS build. So you're gonna take Unending Hatred at level one, Friend or Foe, Reflexive Block, The Hunt, um, again, 13 is situational, Marked for Death at 16, and level 20 is situational just because you can either go the global, or I think I, yeah, global version of the hunt, um, or you can take Nexus Blades. So Nexus Blades would be if you need more damage and if you need to slow the enemy team a little bit more, um, and if you need to kill enemies faster. So let's say if they have like a higher health pool, then you would take Nexus Blades. If the enemy team is relatively squishy, then, then I would take the global hunt um, at level 20. So the way that you're going to be playing Global Marksman is you're going to be trying to duo, duo lane soak. So that's going to be, um, what, what am I thinking of? The one that I don't like, Blackheart's Bay. There we go. Blackheart's Bay, where there's two lanes uh, pretty close to each other. Illidan can clear lanes relatively okay without uh, immolation. Um, you're still going to be a little bit slower than better wave clear option heroes, but you'll still do it fine. Uh, I mean, you won't have any issues clearing lane. Um, and if you're on Blackheart's Bay, then four of your teams should be pushing bot lane anyway if we're thinking about really competitive strategy. Um, other maps that you can duo soak lane would be like Inf Infernal Shrines, for example. Um, you know, I'd say those are really the only two maps I consider going um, Unending Hatred or this Global Marksman build. The other exemptions would be if there's a murky on the enemy team, or yeah, if there's a murky on the enemy team, um, then I would take this as well because each time murky dies, it counts as a full hero stack on unending hatred, so you'll get a lot of value from that. Um, this build works really well on maps that last a really long time, so I would say like cursed hollow usually lasts. Cursed hollow games usually last very long. Uh, Garden of Terror games, uh, you'll usually get a lot of value from this as well, just because games take so long. Um, Sky Temple, probably not as much. Um, Warhead Junction, it can be good because you're taking the hunt and it's global, so that would be why we're taking it. Not so much for the like unending hatred. Um, yeah, anyways, the reason why this build can work, or I guess the way you should play it is, you should be clearing lanes, um, allow your ally team to push lanes, force pressure. You just do your own thing, get minion, enemy minion stacks. Um, and then if you find a good opportunity to pop in and help secure a kill, uh, go do that. But otherwise, just focus on clearing waves. It's kind of a boring way to play Illidan. But the idea is that since you'll be auto attacking so frequently by killing waves, you should have your hunts off cooldown pretty quickly. So. The hunt is a 60 second cooldown. If you're auto attacking uh, at every opportunity, you'll basically have a 30 second cooldown. So every 30 seconds, you can hunt and help secure a kill, right? That's basically how this build works. And as you're securing kills, as you're clear clearing waves, your auto attack is just going to continue increasing because of ending unending hatred. And I believe you can. I've definitely completed the unending hatred quest. In seven minutes before but it's usually rare that you're able to do it that quickly unless you have a really coordinated team I'd say 
never go that build unless you have a team that can make it work. Um, the last build that I have is map control build. So this is where if you have very poor lane clear, uh, very poor lane presence, um, and no specialists, like as a team, as a whole, um, then this is the way I would build Illidan for that because you're gonna be able to clear waves really quickly and you're gonna be able to take camps quickly to pressure the lane. Um, so notice that I have the hunt here because you're basically filling that specialist role while also providing um, gank, gank damage. So you're gonna be in the lane, pressuring the lane. Once you clear a wave, you're gonna be traveling to the other wave just to help clear it and then traveling to camps just to secure those and force a lot of pressure on the enemy team, similar to what a specialist would do. Um, this is not the most ideal way to play Illidan, but if you're in quick match and you're not queuing with the full party, this is definitely a way that you can build. Uh, taking the hunt will allow you to be present at team fights, so that's one advantage to, like, versus if you had a specialist, right? Specialists don't have any global, um, any global gap closers, except for maybe Zagara, but that's more of a channeled teleport. So those are the four main builds that uh, I would take with Illidan. The one you're gonna want to go with most of the time is the hybrid build. And then the one that I personally recommend, um, if you're not going hybrid build, is the highest damage per second build, uh, just because it really allows you to capitalize on the bruiser aspect of Illidan. So going back to the question from Twitch, can I discuss engaging with Illidan and does level matter when engaging? So level, I'll, I'll discuss level first. So you don't want to engage with Illidan until level seven, ideally. And that's because at level seven is when you get most of your survivability options. So if you look at the level seven options real quick, you have Reflexive Block, Thirsting Blade, and Hunter's Onslaught. So Reflexive Block gives you two charges of block. Thirsting Blade increases the healing you get from your auto attacks. Um, and Hunter's Onslaught heals you based on ability damage. Now, if you take Reflexive Block, that's gonna be the strongest mid-game option for Illidan because it completely well, not completely negates. It negates enemies' auto attacks and building attacks by 75% for two charges. So that's why it's the strongest pick at level seven. If you're thinking about scaling for the later game, it's not as strong as the other options. But if you really need mid-game strength and if you have a pretty decent late-game comp, then I would take Reflexive Block, especially if it makes sense. Like if you're going against a Butcher and a Lunara, uh, reflexive block is really good, and I guess I can explain why taking it against Lunara makes sense. So, um, everyone knows that Lunara is damage over time based and it's kind of poison based, but if you take reflexive block, it blocks that damage over time, if that, if that makes sense. Similar to um, when you use evasion against Lunara, um, if she has, let's say she auto attacked you three times, um, so she has those damage over time stacks. If you pop evasion, that damage actually goes down. So, well, I mean, I could be wrong, but that's how I've been doing it. Maybe they patched that up. But yeah, so level seven is when you want to start engaging with Illidan, if you're able to, and if the enemy comp is vulnerable. Um, Thirsting Blade, I would say, is the mid-tier level seven uh, option, uh, just because it's great for sustained fights. If you took... Uh, battered Assault and you find the enemy team clumping a lot, you can totally engage hard with Illidan at level 7. You can even engage hard earlier if you take Battered Assault 
because you'll be innately doing more healing because your damage is buffed so much by battered assault. Um, but if you took Immolation, for example, at level 1, don't engage until level, level 7 if possible. Um, if you take Hunter's Onslaught at level 7, I don't recommend you engaging until later on, possibly at level 10 or even later, just because you're not going to get as much healing capability. You're, you're taking Hunter's Onslaught mainly to synergize with Marked for Death at level 16 because it will give you a lot of burst healing against enemy heroes. So that's mainly when you want to engage with Illidan. If you take Battered Assault at level 1, engage really hard because you're going to be innately tanky from the healing that you're going to be getting which is because of the damage you'll be doing. Otherwise, wait till level 7. Um, does level matter with engaging? So that, that kind of answers that and discuss engaging with Illidan. So in general with Illidan, so this is not in regards to what level you are, but team fights in general. So usually Illidan is the point forward or he's coming in after the tank. And it depends on the enemy comp. If the enemy comp has a lot of crowd control, then you're going to definitely wait until your tank engages first because one of Illidan's weaknesses, which I can discuss later on, is crowd control. Um, slows, not as much, but roots and stuns and polymorphs against Illidan are ridiculous. Um, it really weakens his capability of surviving um, just because one of Illidan's best aspects is his mobility and his ability to dodge spells. Um, so if the enemy team has a lot of crowd control, let your tank engage first, um, and let the enemy team burn most of their crowd control on your tank before you go in with Illidan. And then after most of that crowd control is out, then you can engage really hard. Um, with Illidan, depending on your comp, if you have a strong engage comp, then you can go ahead and dive the backline and pressure them there because you'll be able to force the enemy healers or enemy assassins positioning. If you have more of a zone control comp, you're not going to want to dive far as far. Um, mainly you want to just hang out in the against the front line. Um, and I'm assuming in that scenario you're going to be taking battered assault. If you're going to be pressuring the back line um, in a heavy dive scenario, then I'm assuming you're taking immolation or you're taking unending, unending hatred. So I think that answers the question for the most part. Um, so let's see. I went over trait, talent, heroic options, how I, oh, I didn't categorize them yet. So I would categorize uh, Illidan as a bruiser assassin. Depending on how you build, he can definitely be tankier in that he can absorb more damage, or he can be not as tanky, I guess. It, it definitely depends on the talent options, which I mentioned earlier. Um, wait, is there a, wor a world where Chu does insta-dive every fight? Is there a world where Chu does insta-dive every fight? Uh, usually with Illidan... Oh, okay, so... I would say I never insta-dive usually with Illidan, but because I'm normally drafting Illidan, um, like whenever I do draft Illidan, it's because the enemy team doesn't have a lot of crowd control and because they do have like vulnerable like squishy assassins or healers. So that's why I would be drafting Illidan. And in that scenario, you almost always should be diving aggressively to force the positioning of the healer so that the healer cannot heal the front line while your main sustain damage um, just chunks down the front line. So let's say if you have a ally Vala on your team, uh, let's say you have a ally Vala, two warriors, 
uh, support, and then there's you. And then the enemy team has two warriors, um, I don't know, two warriors, uh, support, and two range damage, right? In that scenario, you would definitely dive heavy onto the enemy backline. Um, just because your dive is on a six second cooldown, as you auto attack, it's really a three second cooldown. You also have your W, which is an eight second cooldown, which translates into four seconds. Um, so you'll be able to pressure the uh, backline. I would especially focus on the healer if possible, because that will allow your sustained damage and your tanks to take out the, or to chunk down the enemy's frontline. And as the enemy's frontline gets damaged, they have to start retreating towards where the enemy hero, towards where the enemy healer is. And what that does is, here, let me draw that out actually, because I think that's a, that's a good question. Okay, hold on, let me erase this. Okay, so if you're looking at the iPad, um, let's say yellow is gonna be allies, red is gonna be enemies. So let's say there's your two front line, there is you on the side, your support in the back, and also your ranged sustained damage in the back. Versus an enemy who's like double warrior, and then support, and double range. So maybe like one's a mage and the other one's a auto, like sustained assassin. So the way you're going to be going through fights, oh, let me see if I can mark that. Um, your target, so this is US Illidan, right? Your target is the support in the back because I'll explain why later. So the way you're gonna do it is wait for your warriors to engage. You're gonna walk right up to them at, at the midline. Once you're at the midline, you're gonna W past the enemy frontline and that's gonna proc the uh, value from your your W ability, right? Increasing your auto attack damage. Um, and then from there, you're going to use your Q to dive onto the enemy healer. And then you're just gonna be burning that healer's uh, health. So the healer usually won't be auto attacking you back. They're gonna be trying to reposition this way. And then the enemy assassins will be attacking you as you're dam damaging the enemy support. Well, if you take immolation or even if you take battered assault and you're able well, battery assault is more difficult to work in this scenario. You're still going to be getting damage onto at least one of those enemy assassins if you play it correctly. Meanwhile, your sustained damage um, is chunking down the enemy front line. You have evasion popped or proc'd, so you're not taking any auto attack damage from the enemy assassins. And then the enemy tanks are going to have to retreat backwards. Sorry, I know this is getting really messy. Yeah, it's getting kind of messy. Oh, let me change. Let me change to a different color. Let's go with. Let's just go with black. Okay. So, this is where the enemy frontline starts retreating. Well, as they start retreating, their assassins are still usually in this position. So what you get is a cluster where the tanks are no longer able to directly frontline protect their assassins. That allows your tanks to close the gap on them. The enemy frontline is retreating because of low health. Their healer is backed away. Maybe not necessarily low health because you know you have to gauge whether or not to attack the healer or the assassin. You just want to force their positioning. You're going to dive 
onto the enemy front line so that now you end up on this side, uh, on that side of your um, of of the enemy front line. Gosh, I'm saying that a lot. So why you want to use dive instead of your W is because of your positioning. What this allows you to do is allows you to re-engage with your W and get auto attack buffs or use your W to run further if you are low on health and if you're worried about like, for example, Chromie hitting you with a dragon breath. So that's one formation of how to play Illidan in a team fight. And there's a lot of different scenarios that you know I want to go over, but I don't think I'm going to have time today. Um, but we are at the halfway point. So um, if you're watching live on Twitch, we're going to continue like just momentarily. Uh, but for those of you watching on YouTube, if you want access to the full hour session, just head over to patreon.com slash nexus raiders because um, all patrons, regardless of pledge tier, get access to these Heroes 101 sessions. So be sure to become a patron if you aren't already. Um, yeah, so that's the halfway point. Now I'm going to continue. Man, am I... You know, I'll just I'll just extend this to more than an hour because there's 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 just a lot to discuss. Another question from Twitch: When do you pop evasion? Do you do it instantly when you dive? No. So I never do that. That's a classic Illidan error. Um, I mean, it really depends though. If you're already if you're mid fight, then obviously you know you're gonna pop evasion where it makes sense. So the way you want to strategically use evasion um, is you're going to engage first once and at least two enemy heroes are auto attacking you and they've auto attacked you both and they've both auto attacked you at least once or twice that's when you want to pop evasion because that's where you're going to negate most of the damage um, and since they're already auto attacking you usually they won't switch targets versus if you engage and you pop your evasion immediately like so let's say you dive pop evasion they can very clearly see that you are evading, so they can just auto-attack a different target uh, while you have evasion up. So you're not gonna get much value from that. So it's really tricky and it's kind of scary, but you have to be really patient about using evasion. And this is especially important when it comes to level seven's uh, reflexive block. So if you take reflexive block at level seven, it gives you two charges of block for three seconds after you use your Q. You're gonna have to be even more patient uh, with using your evasion. So the order is you queue the enemy target, you wait for two auto attacks, I would say even like three auto attacks, uh, two to three auto attacks, um, just because that makes sure that you did indeed use up those charge blocks, and then you pop evasion. So that's really strong against a butcher, for example. So let's say, um, yeah, okay, let's let's take the butcher, take the butcher example. So just remember that it's three seconds after using your Q for your dive. So, what should I draw this on? Um, i draw it on here. Okay. So let's say, say this is you as Illidan, and this is Butcher, right? And if you know the Butcher has his uh, charge ready, um, most Butchers are just impatient and they want to charge, get that stun, get that uh, brand on and start auto attacking. The way that you can combat Butcher, especially in a 1v1, is you initiate. Don't let the Butcher initiate. Um, or if you see the charge coming, make sure you hit your Q first before he hits you with the impact. And this is assuming you went reflexive, reflexive block. So you Q, Q onto the Butcher. So, oh, you know what? Okay, this is more accurate. You Q onto the Butcher, 
and then you land on this side. Start auto-attacking. Uh, don't use your evasion yet. So the Butcher is probably going to maybe hit, like, hit you one or two times, or maybe not even at all with his auto-attacks before he uses his charge on you. When his charge stuns you, um, and he puts his brand on you, during that duration, you still have those two charges to block, I mean, unless he hit you with those two auto-attacks before using charge. But usually they'll just charge right away. So you negate two of his attacks during his branded time and when you're stunned. By then, after two auto-attacks from Butcher, you're usually not stunned anymore, and then you can pop evasion. So make sure you time it, make sure you get hit by two auto-attacks first, and then pop evasion. Uh, that Butcher is not going to be taking any healing, and you're just going to be able to chunk down his health. So important to note though, um, if you can time it properly, you know, I'll just... Evasion timing is a little bit different, so I'll let you gauge that. But before you start auto-attacking, make sure you use your W to get back on this side. So this is if you're engaging auto-busher and you want to end up in a safe position. Use your Q, get your block charges, Butcher stuns you, which is fine because you have block charges. Uh, he burns them, um, and then you W across and start auto-attacking him, and then pop evasion whenever it makes sense. So if you see that the Butcher maybe missed two auto-attacks uh, while you were stunned, just wait, let him auto-attack you twice um, before popping evasion. Especially, I would wait to pop evasion until you know that he has his brand on you for sure. Uh, just because he gets more value while you're branded. Um, so that's a very specific scenario against the Butcher, but uh, that's it's kind of funny when you 1v1 Butchers because you know they think they're invincible, but not really. Um, so that I hope that answers the question for the most part. Um, yeah, you don't normally want to pop evasion after you dive unless you know that you're walking into a lot of... Uh, enemy auto-attack damage and you are a priority target and you did not take reflexive block. Um, in general though, like I, as long as you practice your evasion timing, you should be fine. Um, going on, okay, let's see, what other topics did I have for today? Uh, builds and play styles went over that, comparison to other heroes, oh, okay, great, I can compare, to, compare them to other heroes now. So I actually made this handy dandy chart um, because this is Heroes 101, this is more of the competitive strats um, and in-depth analysis. So here I compared Illidan to other heroes in the game that are highly mobile um, and are sustained damage based. So here I have Chen, Greymane, Kerazim, Tracer, Terio, Vala, and Variant. I say that we have another question, but I'm going to wait till I finish this section. Um, so. Uh, there's no good way to display this info. You know, I'll display it at the top here so you can kind of see most of it. Alright. So, if you look at this chart, um, you can see how Illidan compares uh, to the other heroes. If you want to take a screenshot here, you can take a screenshot. Um, so, obviously, Illidan and these other heroes differ in how they play, but this is just examples of other heroes that you might take instead of Illidan. Um, depending on the scenario. So I know some of these are ranged too. It, it's really situation dependent. Um, but if you notice at the bottom, there's a damage per second line. So this is what you really want to pay attention to. Let me see if I can highlight that somehow. Yeah. All right, this line at the bottom, damage per second. Because if you're drafting Illidan, you're going for DPS and for damage soaking. 
So in terms of DPS, obviously Illidan... Oh, does Illidan win? Wow. Actually, I guess technically he doesn't because you have to consider the other buffs that other heroes might have. So like Rayman, if you look below right here, he has a innate auto attack damage buff when he uses his W. Um, so you have to consider that as well. Uh, Vala, when she's at max stacks of hatred, she's doing that DPS. Varian, if you go Twin Blade, he's doing that DPS. So be sure to consider that. This right here is, I know it's kind of blocked um, by some stuff, but that's after Illidan gets his 35% damage buff from using his W. Right, so that makes a lot more sense. Obviously, Illidan isn't the highest damage per second hero. Um, so if you're going more for straight damage, then you should pick Greymane, Vala, Greymane or Vala. Varian, like, I know, like, he's up there. That's, like, Twin Blades build. But usually you're never taking Twin Blades build unless, you know, the meta changes back to, like, four months ago. Um, but the other reason why you're taking Illidan is for his damage sponging capability. So that's where you'd have to decide between Illidan versus... Hold on, let me erase these. Illidan versus Chen, Tyrion... Oh, that's not Tyrion. Chen, Karazim, Tyrion, and Varian. So those other options are also very mobile. They still do DPS, um, but they can. They also have that damage sponging capability. Tyrion, obviously, from his shields. Chen from shields. Varian from his protection and uh, parry. Karazim, just because he heals, he can heal himself through damage. Um, so those, I would say, are the main heroes I would compare Illidan to uh, in terms of mobility, damage, and damage sponging. Um, so if you want to screenshot that, like you can go ahead and screenshot it. Um, I, I don't know where I would make this chart available. Maybe I'll post it in our Facebook group. So, so maybe I'll post this in our Facebook group afterwards. But um, that's comparing Illidan to other heroes. Uh, and okay i see what i did here so if you look towards the bottom half of the section so ignore this so this is based off his trait and his uh, talents so betrayer's thirst heals for 30 percent damage dealt that's his trait so you innately have that at level one if you take battered assault it increases the damage from 35 percent to 125 percent um, so that is a 90% increase of your innate buff if you land your W on an enemy hero. At level 7, if you take Thirsting Blade, it increases your healing from 30% to 50%. And at level 16, Blades of Azanoth increases your damage by 75%. So that's a lot of numbers. So I made this table here so you can kind of see what his damage and damage to health value ends up looking like. So... If you look at the base, he does 147.6 damage per second, which means he's healing for 44.28 damage per second. So if you add those together, that's his damage and health value. Um, note that this isn't damage per auto attack, this is damage per second. So I've already calculated uh, considering his auto attack speed, which is 1.82. All right, now, what happens when you hit an enemy hero with streak, with Sweeping Strike, that gives you that 35% damage buff, right? So that increases your damage to 199.26 per second, uh, which therefore increases your healing up to 59.778 damage. It gives you a total of 259 damage and health value. Um, and also keep in mind, all these numbers are based off of his level 1 stats. 
every with every level, all of these increase by like four percent. So just keep that in mind. That it translates into a lot of damage and healing later on in the game. If you took the better to salt talent, this is assuming you did manage to get better to salt off. You hit two enemy heroes. You're going to be doing 332 damage per second, and therefore healing for 99.63 uh, health per second, and that's including the sweeping strike ability. Um, yeah. Anyways, you, you can look you can look on at these numbers more. You can screenshot this if you want. Um, but this section right here, the second half, is what I really want to focus on. Okay. So if you take the Thirsting Blades talent, um, it increased... Oh, actually, no, I should have done that better. Notice that your normal healing... Wait, that's not what I want to highlight. Okay, okay. This is your normal healing capability if you hit an enemy hero with Sweeping Strike, right? So that's 60 per second. You know, that's pretty good. But what happens if... If you take the Thirsting Blade talent, it increases your healing from 30 to 50% per auto attack. So it's now. Wait, why is this so high? Hold on. Oh, that's Battered Assault. Okay, hold on. Okay. Yeah, there we go. This makes more sense. It then increases that healing to 100 healing per second, right? That's not by auto attack, that's per second. Then, if you do manage to get Battered Assault value, it increases that to 166 healing per second. So that's huge numbers. That's like Illidan's base auto attack is like 81 damage. So and Illidan is an assassin class hero. Uh, if you compare that to a lot of other heroes that you'll be taking damage from, you're going to be healing through a lot of that while you're going to be able to do a lot of damage in the process, right? This is with better Assault. So now let's take a look at the Blades of Asenoth. If you take Blades of Asenoth at level 16. So this number right here is if you just proc Blades of Asenoth with your base. I think this might be including the Sweeping Strike buff. Maybe not. Anyways, um, if, you if you activate Blades of Asenoth and hit Battered Assault, and if you have Thirsting Blades, look at these numbers. Every second, you're getting almost 900 damage to health value. So that means between you, the damage you're dealing out and the healing you're getting, you're getting about 900 point value. Um, this is why Illidan is so strong, um, especially as a bruiser and damage. Oh my gosh! Okay, there we go. As a bruiser and damage sponge, this number here is why he can stay alive in fights for so long. Then, if you think about it, he has evasion. Um, which negates a ton of auto attacks within a certain amount of period. If you get to level 20, take Demonic Form, or the... What's the upgrade? I think the upgrade is called Demonic Form. You have a 20% auto attack speed buff, so you're actually getting even more than this number. Um, this is exactly why Odin is so good and why... Okay, I, I can't say why he's so good, because it's situational. But it's why he's able to get so much value in sustained team fights. If the enemy team doesn't have a lot of burst or crowd control, you'll get a ton of value from Illidan. Actually, even against burst enemy heroes, um, the burst usually comes from abilities. So like mages, for example, if you're able to dodge those abilities, you're not taking any damage, right? Because you dodged them. So 
during that time that you dodge and while they're on cooldowns, you're healing for whatever damage the enemy warriors, for example, did to you. Um, so this is what really allows Illidan to stay in fights for a long time. All right, so got through all that. Let, let's go back to the questions on Twitch. Do I engage with Metamorphosis? I don't understand the ultimate. Okay, so um, Metamorphosis, I would say never do it, but I still do it myself sometimes because it is situation dependent. So let me, let me try to think of when... Actually, you know what? I, I, I'll talk about how I use Metamorphosis. That's probably a better, better way to look at it. I'll, I'll keep these numbers on the screen so you can look at them while I explain it. Oops. Okay, so Metamorphosis is a really strong heroic because one, it's an instant teleport, uh, and two, because it can give you a burst amount of total health over a period of time. Uh, and the reason why it's important for total health to be considered is because of percentage shielding from enemy heroes like, or not from enemy, from ally heroes like Rhaegar if he gets... Um, the talent upgrade at level 16? No, talent upgrade level at talent upgrade at level 13, uh, which he gives a 15% shield on his target for lightning storm. Lightning storm or lightning shield? Lightning shield. Um, because it's based off total health, um, you'll get a, a much stronger shield. Um, or if you go at level 20, a lot of supports and maybe some tanks have Storm Shield, which is a 20% shield, uh, then you're going to get much more shielding and much more health health value, I guess you could say. Um, but the main strength of the Metamorphosis is the instant teleport. And why that's important is because it allows you to traverse terrain uh, when you need to as an escape or as a gap closer as well as dodging big heroic abilities. So for example, if an enemy Kael'thas is using Pyroblast on you, if you time it correctly, you can avoid the Pyroblast. Um, if you see like an enemy ETC coming and sliding and you don't get hit by the slide, you can Metamorphosis out. Um, there's just a lot of different options. Uh, metamorphosis, I would say at level 10, until level 20, you're primarily using it as a disengage and like get out of jail free card um, because the while it does give you some health it's only 208 per hero I mean of course that's 208 is the level one um, number it's gonna scale up as you go but by level 10 it's still not that much even if you manage to somehow hit all five heroes that's a thousand health which can still be chunked down I mean a thousand health is a lot don't get me wrong but if you use that as an engage your escape capability is not going to be nearly as good unless you take friend or foe at level 4, I believe, which allows you to dive to allies, right? Um, because that dive to allies is a really similar mechanic where you can go across terrain, whatever, as long as it's to a targeted ally hero. Um, but usually I would not use Metamorphosis as an engage unless, for example, you're in a team fight, you're getting a lot of damage out, the enemy team is retreating, and you're above like 60% health, then I would say go for it, go do, um, go ahead and metamorphosis onto the enemy team as a running way, because it's another form of gap closer, right? Because then you've used meta, and then you have your W and your dive available to close any other further gap between your target 
that you're trying to kill. Um, that would be the only time I would use it as an engage pre-level 20. So the difference is at level 20 with demonic form, if you hmm, engage, if you are already in demonic form, uh, you can use it as an engage because it'll give you that extra health and you already have the de demonic form buffs anyway, so you should be fine. Uh, but I would say in general, you still want to keep metamorphosis um, to dodge big heroic abilities. Big heroic abilities being like um, Jaina's Blizzard or Ring of Frost. Ring of Frost, there we go. That's a really good example, Ring of Frost. Or uh, Butcher's Lamp to the Slaughter. That's a really strong heroic that you can dodge with metamorphosis. So it depends on how you want to do it in that scenario. I don't know why I'm using Butcher so much in this example. But um, if a Butcher casts Lamb to the Slaughter um, as he's about to charge you, there's a short period of time where after he charges you, you're able to meta out of the Lamb to the Slaughter. Um, that's a really difficult thing to do, but if there's nothing to... Um, if there's nothing to dive to, um, then that's kind of how I would use it. Just wait to, for him to charge first. Because usually what will happen is the Butcher will start charging, and he won't put Lamb to the Slaughter down until he's about to hit you. Right, because I believe the butcher stun is about 0.75 seconds, or it's 0.5 seconds, and then the delay before Lamps of the Slaughter activates is either either 0.75 to one second. I don't remember the numbers for butcher, um, but that does give you enough time to metamorphosis out or metamorphosis in to just stay in the fight and fight against the butcher. So that's how I would personally use metamorphosis, um, but. Yeah, I would usually use it as a disengage or as a way to reposition yourself in fights. It's really strong for that, especially when you don't have your W available. So let's go back to an example where there's some terrain. Um, oops. There we go. Okay. Um, let me delete these scribbles. Okay, so let's say, uh, I don't know, how, I, how do I want to do this? Oh, you know what, let's, let's do Sky Temple as an example. So, uh, the death bridge. So this would be the bridge at the bottom lane. Um, oh, I made that too big. Okay, bridge at the bottom lane. There's a temple down here, and then the enemy's base and core is over in this area, right? This is in the right, right side of the map. So there's kind of this, like, gap where... There is, I don't know, this is like a hole, hole in the sky, right? This is the bridge. So let's say you are Illidan, the team, let's say your team is here, okay? Let's say your team is here, and then, oh, I should make that a different color. Uh, let's use gold, okay? Say your team is here, okay? Your team is here, and the enemy team is right here, okay? So let's say uh, one, one, of, one of the enemy team moves this way and the rest go through the bridge, right? Um, and let's say the rest of your team decides to follow the group that's on the bridge and say, hey, Illidan, take care of that one that just took the weird pathing, right? So your team and the enemy team are engaging on the bridge while you, so I'm gonna 
this blue star. So this this is US Elden. You're chasing and you're killing this enemy, whatever the enemy is, right? So let's say you've burned your Q and you've burned your W, just chasing after this enemy and killing them. You can use Metamorphosis in this area right here to traverse this terrain gap, um, get that bonus health, and engage on the enemy team and continue on in the fight without wasting the time to walk because you've been in combat, you can't mount right away, and there's a... I guess you could mount right away, but there's a delay. Um, but it's going to take you some time to travel this distance versus you can meta and instantly teleport here. Um, that's one of the uses of metamorphosis, and you can really translate that into other scenarios where, for example, if... Uh, oh, let me erase this. Okay, so let's pretend that there's a there's a camp right here, and then there's oh so still on uh, Sky Temple. This is the Death Bridge down here, right, with the gap in the sky. Uh, this is their siege camp, and there's like terrain. I don't remember what this terrain looks like, but this is unpathable, right? It's kind of like a wall. There's like a little house or hut thing right here. And then there's like some bushes right here. There's more more terrain right here, right? Um, so let's say you are doing this camp. So you are doing this camp right here, right? Let's say the enemy team comes from, oops, make that a different color. Enemy team comes from here and comes from here trying to gank you. First of all, don't die for a camp. But um, you can use your metamorphosis to teleport onto, Metamorphosis onto this area right here, then it'll take the enemy team a little bit longer to get to you Either that way or that way, right? So Metamorphosis is great uh, for its instant teleport capability and uh, Just for spanning a distance uh, being able to go over terrain uh, Because if you didn't take unbound at levels at level 4 You aren't able to do that and Metamorphosis would be your only source of being able to traverse terrain huh. So, um, I think I might have to do a part two for Illidan because it's going really long. Because I didn't, I, I, okay, so I got to comparing him to other heroes. I didn't really get to go over great four and great against or week two, week against, when to draft and what map situation. So, I'll probably do uh, part two for Illidan. Um, but that's basically all the time we have. I don't want this to go too long. Um, so, again, this is the Nexus Raiders podcast called Heroes 101. Oh man, I said that really weird. So this is Heroes 101, the Nexus Raiders podcast. Um, and again, that's for competitive strategies and in-depth analysis. I'm Commander Chu. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Nexus Raiders community. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash Nexus Raiders and setting up a monthly pledge because you know every dollar truly counts and helps keep the community going. A huge thank you to all of our patrons for making this series possible and just a reminder to check patreon.com, um, just log in because we'll be posting the full version of the session as a downloadable mp3 and also as a video on Patreon that you can view at your convenience and that's only available to patrons. So uh, that's about it for today. Uh, good luck, have fun, and never game alone.